Hi there, welcome to or welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. My name is Paul McAnallan. Thanks for joining me on um, a belated 11th episode to the 2020 series of podcasts. I think at this stage I'm going to be fighting very hard for people's time because I'm sure with all of the spare time people have there will be um, millions of other podcasters on the go looking for your time and your thoughts but thanks for joining me for this episode um it's kind of like life 2.0 episode 10 and the previous nine were all about sales and marketing and specifically sales and all the stuff i do on a professional basis in and around the 19th or 20th of, of march i don't remember the date but it happened fairly quickly that world kind of stopped um, well, at least it's on hold, let's say. So it was very difficult to get motivated to do a podcast about sales and marketing when nobody was really interested in sales or marketing. It was survival mode for a lot of businesses, a lot of my clients, definitely. And so things have been put on hold until the foreseeable future. And I hope there comes a time when I'm doing podcasts about sales and marketing again um, to reflect a need in the market for sales training and communication strategies. Three things that are impacted uh, at a time of recession. I call this a time of recession because the economy is in free fall just now. And whilst the focus should be on survival in the NHS and providing that kind of quality of service that we've been longing for, um, my business is all around sales and the three things that suffer in a recession are recruitment, training and marketing. I'm kind of covering off two thirds of those. So um, this podcast is a little bit, takes me takes me back to a place that I'd kind of ignored and that is, is the media. I find myself with a lot of time in my hands, as you all have, and I've been getting stuck into newspapers again. I have a copy of the Sunday Times in front of me. From yesterday, the 19th of April, which was all about Boris Johnson, the Tory government and the mask slipping somewhat and their ineptitude, how slowly they've responded to the coronavirus, etc, etc. I've bought four papers now in the last four weeks, uh, three Guardian and one Observer, and I find it a really comforting read, actually. I find it as back to normal. It's I'm reading stuff that I perhaps would never have searched about. Um, I'm more comfortable with the uh, tactile nature of just simply holding a newspaper and maybe getting some of the ink on your hands and, and all that and I'm happy to be old school um, what is very apparent is uh, the social media equivalent where um, dipping in and out of Twitter on behalf of one of my other businesses um, I'm not on social media I'm on LinkedIn, sorry, that's a lie. I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram. I'm not on Facebook and Twitter. And it's been very, very difficult to remain on Instagram without losing maybe two hours a day scrolling down through stuff that's not really relevant. But I've dipped in and out of Twitter and it is a real cesspool. It's very, very toxic and it's um, shining a spotlight in on trust. And I, I maybe referred you to a lady... Rachel Bothman before. She does a brilliant TED Talk 
about trust and how institutional trust has been eroded over the last number of decades and in no particular order of um, importance or despicability, if that's a word. You have the Catholic Church, you have the phone hacking, you have Jimmy Savile and the BBC, you have the banking crisis, you have the Levinson Media Inquiry. So you have all of these large institutions that were once held sacrosanct simply because they wore pinstripe suits Monday to Friday and they had the big house in the hill in the local parishes. Um, and everybody kind of revered these people. And Rachel Boffman talks about the inverted trust stack where people are less and less trusting of the organisations and they're becoming more suspicious. Right now, there's a real clash of the titans in institutional trust. Uh, there may be a space again for, for the media to stand up with a straight back and start telling the truth, which is going to be hard for them. Um, in certain areas uh, here uh, in the UK and also in the States, they're uh, going head to head with that other institutional, um, shady institution, government. And it's really, really hard to know sometimes if what you're reading is the truth. And, um, you know, so for example, you, you look at the coronavirus, which has been horrific, and it's hard to know at any point in the day when you sit down and look at every single bit of information, which bits are untrue, which bits are exaggeration, and which bits are accurate. So even the way they have been collecting the data on those who have died has been distorted. Uh, people who have died from corona or COVID-19, people who have died from illnesses associated with, people who have died in care homes, people, you know, it's been like being a little bit pregnant, you know, you're either dead or you're not. So they can't even give you those figures. Now, whether they're trying to protect us from stuff, who knows, you know. Um, newspapers have long um, considered themselves to be the moral guardians. Again, that mask has kind of slipped so they're not really our moral guardians now, and nor is government. So we have a situation now where we're um, through the eyes of one, um, the media, looking at a government. So everything has kind of been distorted, depending on which lens you look through. Then you go over to the States and you see Coco the Clown, who's able to, he's able to just say things about the media and call CNN fake news and from some of the stuff I've seen on social media, I get the sense that people are supporting Trump because they just simply don't like the media. So it's nothing to do with Republican over Democrat. Um, it's it's the, just the, the the distrust is so omnipresent that they're just they just latch on to the thing that they think is safest. And right now, for millions of Americans, Trump is the safest, and for millions of Brits, Boris Johnson is the safest, um, which is kind of scary when you get to a point where you don't really um i don't see any architects of trust i don't see anybody right now that i personally would stand over and say i trust that person local media here every week and uh, one of the local papers is a pr agency um is they've got they're in business um every week three or four different ones are rotated fair play to them yes good for coverage and all that but people are reading that a lot of the time believing that that's actually uh, an opinion or a columnist, uh, somebody who's 
writing from a particular a particular position often form uh, often formed intellect. Um, so, like one of the things at the minute, you know, you know, most of the experts that we have right now in coronavirus are not good communicators. Most of the experts in politics and in science aren't good communicators because they're experts at politics and science. And you take a read at a book called Houston, We Have a Narrative by Randy Olson. Randy was a scientist and he kept on being dumbfounded that people weren't reading science documents. And then he realized that the science documents were written by scientists. So they needed to be written by people who understood, who could understand the nuances of communication about being understood and the importance of that. So most experts aren't communicators. And similarly, most communicators are not experts. They're not experts. So you have people in government been advised by special advisors who are not looking to do the best thing. They're looking to do the best thing for the party that pays them. Um, you get people writing in newspapers uh, who call themselves media commentators now. Um, incredible. Like Roy Greenslade, uh, Noam Chomsky are media commentators. People who are asked for their opinion and stuff because they walk past the BBC studio or just happen to be courted by somebody in a shopping mall are not experts. And they don't come with, with um, labels and titles a lot of the time. So you end up spe- listening to people on the radio in particular and you're getting somebody's opinion, which is great to have their opinion, but it's not qualified. So I want to take this a bit further um, and hopefully it will go full circle because I haven't put a title to this podcast yet, but there have been things that have been agitating me recently um, about the media and about politics and I've become very... Um, vociferous or or certainly vocal about my political viewpoints again of late um, simply by stuff I'm reading and you know the fact that nobody is taking Donald Trump to account politically that the GOP or the Republicans are not taking him to account that nobody is really until today actually or the last 24 hours when God I hate to say it that Piers Morgan has been taking uh, strips out of some of the government ministers that the ministers we have in, 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 in the north of Ireland here can't sit down and have a cup of coffee together without throwing in colours of, of, of green and orange to try and get some leverage on somebody else. And you've got Leo Varadkar who thinks it's really cool to spend one day a week going into a hospital when really he needs about eight or nine days a week to focus on politics. You know, this stuff is just distorted all over the place. But um, there's two or three... Maybe 18 months ago, uh, I can't remember when, so I'm just throwing random times out, but it's on my my website, shift-control.co.uk, and it's all about the Edelman Trust Barometer. And this really typifies the world of media, uh, corporates, politics, all in one go. Um, There's a thing called the Edelman Trust Barometer. Go and check it out. It's a little bit... um, I think they've speak to about 1,500... Um, businesses or 1,500 people are researched and they ask them, you know, trust, who do you trust, who don't you trust? And the four uh, areas they they look at are corporates, media, government, and I can't remember this, there's somebody else. But right now, politics and media are the least trusted out of the four pillars that they choose, okay? So this company is called Edelman and they're kind of revered for this document that they have themselves publicized as a look at us, we're the experts. And a lot of people go there and if you go on LinkedIn, you'll see people variously quoting it. And I did quote it a way back when I, um, at first glance, I took a look at it, okay? 
but then I got a bit bit more curious about Edelman, so I went into Edelman's um, board of directors, uh, the people that work specifically on the um, trust barometer. And I'm going to pause this because I want to find the lady's name. So I'm going to pause this now. Got it. Okay. Sorry about that. A lady called Tanya E. Reyes, or IES, um, is the executive director of a part of the Edelman Trust Barometer team called the Edelman Intellectual Property. Okay. All these people are on social media. So you go onto her Twitter profile and you can see from her leaning on her posts and her tweets that she's a real Democrat and she's a complete anti-Trump. Okay. So nothing done there to dispel the myth that the mainstream media is a democratic, liberal, lefty cabal. Okay. So you can imagine that no matter what she thinks professionally, her upbringing, her background, or whatever else that informs her thinking is going to influence what she says uh, as part of the Edelman Trust Barometer. That's what got me started, at least, okay? So um, I dug further into some of the posts that Edelman put out, and I came across something. Um, this is kind of the, I don't know if it's clumsy segue, but it's a, the strangest segue that I've ever done in a podcast. So I'm going to move from the Edelman Trust Barometer to Keto Crotch. Um, keto Crotch is a phenomenon um, in women where, God, I'm going to struggle to say this, where there is vaginal odour um, after a certain amount of time following the ketogenic diet. The diet removes carbs from your diet in favour of proteins and fats, etc. It's very, very popular with women. And in March 2019, um, there was all of this publicity around keto crotch, okay? So evidently something that's quite unpleasant, people who are into their fitness, so on and so forth, um, you'd be going, hey, that's not good. And from a time where it didn't exist, it became something really, really serious about um, the targeting the ketogenic diet. So that was all throughout the states. It wasn't just the states. It was kind of a global phenomenon that built up some critical mass. And there was a guy on Twitter who exposed this uh, keto crotch as a PR spin from um, an agency. And that agency was the um, Edelman PR agency in the states. So Edelman have become synonymous with what they call the Edelman, I think it's the four-leaf clover or the shamrock or something like that. It's some um, name that's evidently uh, created so that you will remember it and I've forgotten it, but it's something like the Edelman uh, clover and there are four bits to this clover. Owned media, paid media, earned media and social platforms. So this is really how you engage with and on behalf of your customers and clients um, and social media and the channels that exist today. And that will include influencers and it will include all sorts of people who will endorse your product for uh, not for free, okay? So owned media is like your digital properties that you own, websites, microsites, your portals, pages, mobile apps and everything else. Paid media is the stuff that you will pay for in sponsorships, display advertising, banners and paid for advertising. And then earned media is like um, editorial content, getting it into news, traditional news, blogs, um, uh, you know, videos, 
interviews, stuff that's going to cost you money for. And then there's other social platforms like um, social media, um, social sharing message boards, etc., etc. And that gives you the broad gamut of rich media content, relevant content, increased visibility and online influencer engagement. Okay, all of that stuff is kind of the domain of PR agencies now. It's maybe moved from a media strand. Um, like digital marketing is a tactic. It's not a strategy. It's a strategy. Um, uh, it's a tactic that is used strategically, if that makes sense. Um, so Keto Crouch Cloverleaf, a, this was a campaign that the paid media got into um, Fox News, Forbes, Huffington Post, Women's Health, New York Post, The Daily Mail, The Sun, The Mirror, and loads of others, okay? Um, the social platforms that use loads of influencers in style, Huffington Post, um, Ben Greenfield, who's a bit of a kind of a, a guru, um, he charges £300 per, per tweet, okay? So you had all of these platforms being used at one point between the 25th of February and the 4th of March. There were 28 paid-for articles going out to slag off the ketogenic diet, okay? So... That's not what is what has keto crutch really got to do with with trust and everything else. It has everything to do with trust when you understand that the Edelman agency has a client roster that includes Weight Watchers, Taco Bell, KFC, Unilever brands, the Dairy Board, um, or the equivalent in the states. I'm sure that whatever the, the company that specialises in flog and dairy products, um, Mars and Wrigley, and a company called Barilla. Okay, it's an Italian food company. So they have got conflicts of interest all over the show. And they are on one side of their business publishing this thing called the Edelman Trust Barometer saying that, you know, um, people are anxious, people are nervous. Uh, 40% people are likely to say that they don't trust the newspapers and media and social media and 65%, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. Whilst over in another office, they are driving uh, fake news to um, to hex the ketogenic diet that is obviously having an impact on, I don't know, what, 70% of a client base, a food client base. So whenever you're looking at, uh, and this is to you as, as media consumers, when you listen to a, a podcast or the radio, be it local uh, and Good luck if it's, God forbid, even good luck if it's Radio Ulster in the morning or the evening and you're listening to commentators ringing in to give their opinion on X, Y and Z. You have no idea what their credentials are other than they've been validated by a research team in the BBC or ITV or whoever it is. So you're assuming that the researcher um, has actually gone and got an authority in something. It took me ages to start reading good books and somebody told me that the first thing, it was ages ago, um, a couple of years ago, somebody said to me that if you're going to buy a book, the first thing you want to do is spend a lot of time looking at the author to see what their credentials are, um, because otherwise you're going to spend a lot of time reading on stuff that A, you might already know, B, that might be complete BS, uh, and C, might be a hybrid of the two. And um, you st first, you need to sit down um, and do your research. So if you're driving along in your car and you hear somebody coming on the radio in the evening and drive time or whatever, you can pull over and start checking out the credentials of somebody who's been brought on to talk about the price of cabbage. You can, unless you're uh, very, very, uh, you're able to critique your own media consumption, 
um, you're going to go, yeah, that sounds sounds plausible. Um, taken to a larger scale, you've got PR agencies pumping out bullshit on behalf of their clients, fighting for airtime, discrediting diets. If they're doing that for diets, what do you think they're doing for for uh, politics, for Brexit? And we know all this. We know all this. But this is the level of it. You know, influencers. You know, you see somebody, uh, an influencer telling you to go and buy uh, cabbage because their hair grew back and you go, oh, that, that sounds plausible. They get paid for that. They get paid to tell you all of that. So, you know, it, it's like you're not able to fully take a balance and to a sense check of um, all of the media that comes at you from every channel. And um, there's a guy called Alan de Bouton. Again, I've, I've quoted him in the past and... Um, he has uh, written a book called The News, A User's Manual. And he said, um, as, a, as a quote from the book, before we despair the calamities that apparently surround us on all sides, we should remember that the news is ultimately only one set of stories about what is happening out there. No more, no less. Except it's not. So we can't clearly define when you pick up a newspaper or go on to any kind of uh, news portal as to uh, determine whether the news is coming factually um, or whether it's been corrupted by external influence. Um, again, within the book, um, he talks about uh, the harder the news is to harvest, the more likely that it has some kind of credibility and that it's worth paying for. So if you can imagine 50, 60, 70 years ago, think of the troubles and say the, the guardian or the observer embed a photographer and a journalist in Northern Ireland. Like that information was really, really hard to get across to Manchester uh, or wherever the guardian was published back then. Really, really hard to get it across. And at that time, there was a level of trust within the media that these guys are journalists. They're working really hard. They're erudite. They're well-researched, they're well-thought-of, they're very considered, they've got a track record, must be true. So now what you have in, a, in an environment where newspapers and publishers simply can't afford to pay for the staff that they used to have. They don't have the same numbers in the news desks, they don't have the same incisive and critical journalism that they used to have, and now they get contributions made by external sources that sound pretty legit, but they don't have the same validation as journalists from old. So what you get is a complete distortion of fact and fiction. And I use the Edelman as an example, okay, talk about the conflict of interest. There are agencies in Belfast, one in particular, represents a bank, represents a vulture fund, represents the largest property company, and represents a GAA all in one go. Now, I don't know what kind of collective vested interest there is, but I know that the person that's winning most from that are the people that own the agency. So it's not to say that all agencies are um, bullshitters, but a, I have been drawn to question what they do more and more frequently just by simply having to consume media recently. And I've gone into this in a fair bit of detail. It's probably not reflected in the way I've uh, communicated the information because I've tried to, uh, as always, try to edit this in a one and I made one stop. But there's enough information there for me to see that, wow, like, keto crutch. People have got such a vested interest in buying 
particular products in supermarkets on a wholesale and on a grand scale that they will do anything to discredit um, a, another diet that will perhaps deflect from their sales. Um, so what would they do in politics? What are they doing right now? How, how do you determine what's fact from fiction? Do you believe um, your Times or your Irish News over your Guardian or your newsletter? Do you go to CNN or Fox? It's, it's interesting if you've got your Flickr, you can go to Russia today, go to Fox, go to CNN, go to BBC. In and around the same time, they're narrating the same uh, story. And you go back to um, Alan, Alan Bouton's um, comment that before we despair at the calamities that apparently surround us on all sides, we should remember that the news is ultimately only one set of stories uh, about what is happening out there, no more, no less. But it's about several versions of one set of stories. Going back to the idea that most experts aren't communicators, check out Randy Olson's book, Houston, We Have a Narrative. It's all about the arc of the story and but therefore. And in the book, he talks way back pre-Trump's election that make America great again. Um, and the way he told the story, he had an arc of the story, just like Indiana Jones, just like... Um, the Lord of the Rings, just like the Bible is the hero's journey, the monomyth, all that sort of stuff. This is heavily executed by PR people to tell stories because experts aren't good communicators. But on the flip side of that, most communicators aren't experts. And if you take a look at politics in Northern Ireland, you'll see a prevalence uh, and almost a dominance of legal people and XPR people in politics are advising. So essentially all they're doing is shuffling the words around and distracting so that what needs to be focused on ultimately doesn't get focused on. Um, I was a bit of a rant. I'm, I'm not making any apologies for that. Um, what this tells me so far um, in the climate we're in at the minute is that there is no doubt that health, and if not health alone, then health Education and the economy should not be in the hands of politicians. There is no way that this government is going to be able to guide us through now when the most important thing that we need is not just about now, but it's the return um, of the virus at December or if it's seasonal this time next year. But it's really to look at a broader plan for 2020 30, 20, 40, 20, 50 and beyond. And that should not be at the behest of a parliament that changes every four years or five years. And in Northern Ireland, you know what? Like you can't be pulling people because they're good with colours uh, and putting them up to represent um, the people here in serious issues like this because that gives space the vacuum that's created with from uh, by their inability is 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 filled by PR people and spin and spads and all those people who are deadly good at the bullshitting and bullshitting has got us to the point where we're at now and it's not saving lives. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, I, I'm not apologising for that rant for the second time, so maybe I should apologise for it. But listen, thanks for listening so far. Um, it's a bit of a departure from the sales and marketing stuff but I guess um, if you wanted to kind of make some kind of link to what I've been talking about before it's uh, establishing trust is no easy task and in sales you're judged pretty much every call on the levels of trust and how you can establish trust and right now 
the spotlight is on our media and our politicians to prove that there is still trust and that we're trusting the right people and that being qualified means something and that being good at your job means something and brand values mean something and culture means something. So um, thanks for letting me rant. I'm going to probably um, come back to you in a week's time, hopefully. Um, but listen, thanks for tuning in again. My website is shift-control.co.uk and I'll uh, get talking to you again soon.